what you just, that sound you just heard was the loudest sound ever recorded in, in history. And it was from 1883, August 27th, to be specific. It was the recording of the explosion of a vol volcano, Krakatoa, in the Indonesian islands. The explosion, they say, was 10,000 times more powerful than the atomic bomb dropped on Hiroshima. The sound itself was heard 5,000 miles away. It, was, it, it actually burst the eardrums of some people 40 miles away. There were some shepherds in Australia watching their sheep. They thought they heard a couple of gunshots close by. Somebody said that that's kind of like an explosion going off in New York City and people in Las Vegas think somebody close to them is shooting a gun twice. 36,000 people were killed by the explosion and its aftermath. Uh, it uh, destroyed three-fourths of the islands. It impacted weather conditions around the entire world. It took five years for temperatures to return to normal around the world. In Norway, in Norway, if we can put this picture up, Edvard Munch watched the skies turn blood red from Krakatoa, and he said it inspired him to paint his famous paint. No, where's the Edward Monk one? There you go. His famous background, his famous scream painting with the red skies swirling in the background. Seven weeks later, a, a Dutch engineer explored the island, and what he discovered was death. Nothing but death. Three-fourths of the island, of its, of its mountain peaks, I'm sorry, two of the, two of the three mountain peaks had, had just sunk into the ocean, disappeared completely. All the trees were destroyed, all the animals were gone, all the insects. It, the place was like formless and void. No birds, no spiders, no living things. They say that Cats have nine lives, not on Krakatoa, they don't. It looked like death, it smelled like death. It's really easy after Krakatoa explodes and you look at the aftermath to lose hope for its future. But then a funny thing happened. Three years later, more explorers returned to the island. This time they discovered new life on Krakatoa. They discovered mosses and ferns and algaes. All had sprung to life. One writer put it, destruction had paradoxically led to a rebirth of life. Today the island is a repository of an ecosystem of thousands of plants and dense forests. It is a home of hundreds of animal species. For you see, after Krakatoa, tiny seeds were carried by birds and the wind and the tides and found a place to grow on the island, found a new home for a new beginning. If I can graphically picture what I'm describing to you in Krakatoa, um, what we have on Krakatoa is, first of all, an old era. Krakatoa, if we could have the iPad, 
please. Uh, we have the old era, what Krakatoa had been for thousands of years. And then crack, is this not? And then Krakatoa explodes and it moves into a new era. We see the new era later on, but what happens immediately in the, this was giving us trouble a couple of weeks ago, and is it giving us trouble again? Oh, shucks. Okay. Um, the, uh, let's, by the way, you see all the decoration up here? All this thoughtfulness and everything? That's Madison. No work. So thank you, Madison. So as the, okay, there you go. Okay, so what we have at Krakatoa is not the old era, and it's not really the new era. It's where the old era is merging with the new era. And in the interim, what we have is what they call the gray zone. The gray zone smells like death. It is chaotic, it is confusing, but it's not the old era, it's not the new era, it's a dark era. You say, Brett, what does this have to do with Christmas? I got to thinking about this and I thought, what a wonderful way for us to understand what happens in the world at Christmas time. Remember, when Jesus enters the world, he enters the world in a gray zone. The world, for for generations has lived in an old era. Since Adam and Eve first sinned in the garden, God has been redeeming mankind. He gave them the old covenant. He's revealed himself through his people. He's promised the Messiah to come. But now things are a mess. Um, the, the, the worship in the temple, I mean, the, the priests aren't the Aaronic priesthood. The Ark of the Covenant is gone. The people of God have gotten, you know, kind of fat and spiritually lazy. The old era is gone. The new era has not come. Listen to what the Bible describes, the, uh, the, uh, how the Bible describes the world before Jesus came in. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 21 they will wander through the land, dejected and hungry. They are famished. They will be enra- become enraged and looking upward will curse their king and their God. Doesn't this sound like today? They will look toward the earth and see only distress, darkness, gloom, affliction. They will, they will be driven into thick darkness. The world was spiritually dark when Jesus came into it. Prophets had not spoken for 400 years, but the old era is now passing. The promise of the new era is coming, Isaiah chapter 9. Nevertheless, the gloom and distressed land will not be like that of the former times, the old era when he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. For a child will be born for us. A son will be given. The government will be on his shoulders and he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then there's a picture of the new era not yet come. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on David's on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies 
will accomplish this. When Jesus came that first Christmas, the old era was passing. But the new era had not yet come. Jesus had not yet recruited his disciples. He had not yet died on the cross. He had not yet conquered death by, by, by rising from the grave. The church had not yet started. The Holy Spirit had yet, not yet come. The new era was not yet. But the old era was gone. Now, the danger when you're in the gray zone is that you think all you do is you, you can tend to regret the loss of the old era and think that you're in the new era already, but you're not. You're in the gray zone. In the gray zone, everything continues to be chaotic and confusing. Wicked people like Herod are still on the throne trying to kill the Messiah. The evil Roman Empire still has power. God's people are still far from him. The temple is still a mess. It smells like death. It feels like despair. How are God's people to live in the gray zone? How do we find peace in the gray zone? This is why we can look at Mary and Joseph as our examples. Because into the midst of the gray zone, God plants seed for rebirth in a virgin named Mary, who's married to a humble carpenter. That first Christmas was a gray zone. Things looked pretty bleak. But Mary and Joseph trusted that God is in control, that God was not done working, even though they didn't understand. Remember Mary's response to Gabriel when Gabriel says the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born of you will be called the Son of God. In verse 38, Mary responds, I am the Lord's servant. May it happen to me as you have said. In the midst of the chaos and the confusion, what's her response? God is at work. He has not abandoned me. I am the Lord's. Her first response is trust in God. I am the Lord's. Lord, I'm in your hands. My life, my future, my finances, my struggle, my job, my family, the era in which I am living, Lord, I am totally in your control. Psalm one. Psalm 11, verse 3. When the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The answer is worship. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord, his throne is in heaven. In the gray zone, we reaffirm our trust in God. God, you are God, we are not. God, you are sovereign, we are not. God, you are in control. My life is yours. You are on your throne. But then she doesn't just reaffirm her faith. She goes the steps further, which is to have an attitude of a servant. I am the Lord's servant, she says. She commits to serve. One of the keys to peace in the midst of the gray zone is to realize God has work for us to do. We are in his hands to serve him. For Mary, it means, if it means me being ridiculed as a pregnant virgin, I am the Lord's servant. If it means marrying a man who doubted my integrity, I am the Lord's servant. If it means a brutal trip to Bethlehem at the worst time of pregnancy, I am the Lord's servant. If it means fleeing Egypt because Herod wants to kill my son, I am the Lord's servant. If it means trusting that God's going to provide for me when we have to go from place to place to place, I am the Lord's servant. If it means watching my son crucified on a cross unjustly, 
I am the Lord's servant. The key to peace in the gray zone is to trust God is in control in the gray zone and the gray zone isn't, doesn't get the last word. The gray zone is not the last chapter. God is bringing a new era. You're just not in it yet. I am the Lord's servant. Mary literally is carrying the seed that will bring new life into a new era. She just needs to be the mother of Jesus. She just needs to serve one day at a time. She needs not see herself as a helpless victim, as some hopeless leaf in the wind, aimlessly thrown around without agency. She is the Lord's servant bringing the seed of new life to a new era. I think this is the message that we need to hear Christmas Day 2022. We are living in a gray zone in history. For at least a thousand years, if not since the time of the fourth century, Christianity has uh, held the dominant consensus in Western civilization. That is not to say that everybody was Christian, but it is to say that biblical morality was Western morality. Biblical ethics, biblical stories formed Western culture. But in the last 15 years, we've experienced the spiritual equivalent of Krakatoa. The old era is passing. And frankly, it smells like death. And if we're really honest, the Christian church got fat and lazy, losing its vision, losing its conviction to reach lost people, losing its conviction to not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed, to be different from this world. The new era has not yet come. We are living in a gray zone, and it's chaotic, and it's confusing, and it's dark, but it's not a time to despair. It is so easy in the middle of the gray zone to think that you're living in the new era, but we're not the new era yet. Just because the old is gone doesn't mean the new has yet come. So what are we to do? Psalm 11:3. when the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord, his, his throne is in heaven. God is still on his throne. God will ultimately win. He will bring the new era through people like Mary and Joseph. Remember, destruction of the old era can paradoxically lead to a rebirth of life. The gray zone is opportunity for new birth. In the gray zone, God looks for seed carriers who will deliver his good news as agents of renewal, who say like Mary, I am the Lord's servant, do with me as you please. By the way, I would just hit the pause button for a second. Do some of you feel like you're living in the gray zone right now in your own life personally? You know, you're not the old era, and it feels dark and confusing, and, and it's really tempting to feel like it's the final era for you, and it's kind of hopeless. <laughs> you, you know what's like 10 years of gray zone? Adolescence, right? Adolescence is not your new era. It is not your total reality, although some people get stuck in adolescence until they're like 40 years old, but it is not, it is a transition area, era. The new has not yet come. Maybe some of you feel like you're in the gray zone with your career or your dreams or your marriage. 
and it's easy to feel like hope is lost because you're always going to be stuck in this gray zone. But remember, if you go back to Krakatoa seven months after Krakatoa, it's going to look dead. Go back three years, it's a different story. In the gray zone, what do you do? The gray zone is going to test your trust in God. Proverbs 3, 6, 3, 5 tells us, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know Him. And He'll make your path straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This will be healing for your body and strengthening for your bones. In the confusion of the gray zone, it is no time to start trusting in yourself. You want to be anxious? Rely on your own understanding. You want to lose heart? Be wise in your own eyes. You want peace? Know Him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. This will be healing for your body. That's God's promise. Strengthening for your soul in your bones. Now would you recommit yourself to action? I am the Lord's servant. Seven years after Krakatoa explodes, it's teeming with life because birds and tides carry those seeds of renewal. And God is doing a new thing through you if we will let him. On Christmas Day a few years ago, the Chicago Tribune ran a front page article entitled, At Christmas, A Rebirth. The story said in part, Suzu Yan thought Americans created Christmas as a part of some national patriotic duty. Relatives gave gifts, neighbors prepared feasts, storefronts in Chinatown advertised sales. But in her eight years in the United States, no one had ever told her the biblical story behind Christmas until this year. Finally, somebody did, and it changed everything. The article goes on. On Sunday, one uh, celebrated the birth of Jesus for the first time by being immersed in the baptismal waters at Chinese Christian Church. She emerged a newborn Christian. I have peace and joy in my heart, the 41-year-old seamstress said. I'm giving the heavy burdens to Jesus. Peace in the gray zone because somebody carried the seeds of new life to her. That's our calling. Be a seed carrier for new life. What's that look like for you? Kevin Miller tells of a time when he was working for a publishing company. They were celebrating their staff Christmas party. There were about, he said, about 150 people at tables, six to eight people at a table. His table, at his table, there was one seat empty the CEO came in at the very end, right before the program began, so most of the seats were taken. He looks around the whole place to find a seat, and he sees the one seat at Kevin's table. He walks over and very politely says to the woman sitting beside the empty seat, may I sit here? Now, the woman was brand new to the company. She'd only been there a week or so. She didn't recognize this guy from the man on the moon. She was saving the seat apparently for a friend who works with her in her department. So she kind of scowled at the questioner and said, no, that seat's taken. Okay, okay, the guy said, and kind of joyfully walked away. Kevin Miller said once the CEO was a few feet out of range, 
the table burst out in laughter. The woman was like, what's so funny? They said, you just dissed the CEO. She said, I did not. Yes, you did. What? She'd only worked there a couple of weeks, never seen his photo, never recognized him, and she never lived it down. We live in a world walking with darkness, in darkness without Jesus, in a gray zone. Every day, God is walking around people that you and I know, asking for an invitation, asking, inviting them to a new relationship. But in the darkness, they don't recognize them. And so they say, sorry, that seat's taken. No seat for you. So Krakatoa has erupted. Some people will throw up their hands in despair because the, new era, because the old era is not coming back. Some will curse the darkness in fear. May we be like Mary who say, I am the Lord's servant. Do with me as you please. Let me carry the good news of Jesus wherever I go in my life. Because today in the city of David, a Savior has born to you who's Christ the Lord, the Prince of Peace. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the substance of Christmas. Lord, in this time when I know people can feel darkness all around because there's so much that can be discouraging and it does so much feel like death. And for those of us who know you and we see the moral and spiritual collapse of the world around us, it's really easy to feel despair. But I thank you that you don't ever give up on us or your world, that you don't want any to perish, but everybody to come to repentance, that you have created us for this purpose. You have created this generation of your church for this generation to bring your seeds the gospel of renew of, of rebirth and renewal to this generation lord we would want to be faithful to you we are your servants do with us as you please through christ i pray amen